Welcome to the Hidden Orchard Podcast. On this podcast, we will explore the deeper concepts and the intersection of Jewish wisdom, the New Testament, and science. We will bring you fascinating insights from the ancient and modern sources, all with the goal of improving and getting the most out of life. Visit our website at thehiddenorchard.com to subscribe to our newsletter and get more information like this. Now, today's episode. As summer fades into autumn, a sacred period arrives in the Jewish calendar that carries profound spiritual significance. All of humanity is invited to embark on a transformative journey of self-discovery, repentance, and reconnection with the divine during this time. The month of Elul begins 40 days of repentance, offering a unique opportunity for introspection, growth, and renewal. These 40 days will carry us through Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year, and into Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. In synagogues worldwide, the shofar blowing each morning during the month of Elul serves as a spiritual alarm clock, awakening the soul to self-examination and preparation for the upcoming days of all. Now, the days of all are the last 10 days from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. On the first of Elul, we will begin to allocate time daily to reflect on the past year's actions, relationships, and choices, successes, and missteps. We'll look at the goals we set this time last year, and we'll assess how well we adhered to them, what we accomplished, and what we left on the table. Looking forward, we'll also take notes of key areas of opportunity, character traits we'll want to refine, and any bad habits that we've allowed to creep in over the last year. In Judaism, the number 40 signifies a period of transformation and renewal. We see this echoed throughout the Bible. There's the 40 days and nights that Noah spent in the ark as the world was renewed. 40 years the Israelites transitioned from a life of slavery in Egypt to a life of freedom in Israel. Moses himself spent several periods of 40 days in preparation for receiving the Torah and also repenting for the nation. Ezekiel's prophecy involved 40 days, particularly one case lying on his side for the sake of Judah's transgressions. And many more examples can be found throughout the Bible and also in the New Testament as well. But in nature, we see many parallels with this transformational dimension. Plants go from germination to harvest in a 40-day cycle. A newborn baby is born after 40 weeks of gestation. And accordingly, Jewish law considers a baby living, a fetus that is, at 40 days. I can't help but think of the significance of the Hebrew letter Mem. Mem, which corresponds to the letter M, has a numerical value of 40. And in Jewish tradition, Mem represents the womb. In fact, the end form of the letter is closed. It's a closed womb. It's also related to water and in secrets in Kabbalah. All of these concepts are deeply connected to the transformational period of Elul. Building on these, someone who ritually immerses in a mikvah becomes like a newborn, often called a new creation. And of course, a mikvah requires a measurement of 40 seahs of water to be considered kosher, again, reinforcing the significance of the number 40. In various other ancient healing modalities, such as Uh, TCM, traditional Chinese medicine, and Ayurveda, 40 days is often associated with a period of healing and rejuvenation. Many times after a mother has given birth, you'll see this number 40 appear. When we group these concepts, it emerges that the 40 days represent a cosmic 
opportunity to heal, rejuvenate, and begin a spiritual pilgrimage toward a renewed connection with God and a deeper understanding with ourselves. Song of Songs, the book in the Bible, often leaves many modern readers puzzled as to how this writing fits into the greater corpus of scripture. In my experience, many choose not to read the book. It just doesn't make sense to them. Uh, the literal sense seems out of alignment, you could say, with the other books of the Bible. But according to rabbinic tradition, Song of Songs was included in the biblical canon precisely for its hidden meanings. The writings on the Midrashic and the Sod, that's the mystical dimension, they represent the inner dimensions of the relationship between the Creator and Israel. The great Rabbi Akiva went as far as to say Song of Songs is the Holy of Holies of Scripture. This movement back to the Creator is encoded within a key passage of Song of Songs, and it's also sort of the mantra of the month of Elul, Ani ledodi vedodi li, which means I am my beloved's and my beloved's is mine. And that's Song of Songs 6.3. Mishnah Berura uh, 5.81 says, there's a hint in this verse, I am my beloved's and my beloved's is mine, from Song of Songs, that the first letters of each word spell Elul, which is the month we're entering. And the last letters of each word have a numerical value of 40, alluding to the 40 days from the beginning of Elul to Yom Kippur. This passage also captures the essence of this period. There's a loving relationship between Israel and the Creator, between all people and the Creator, really, when you expand that out. And normally, we're told we have to exert effort to connect with the Creator. But during this unique time, uh, the mazal is set up in such a way that God has made himself more available. The Hasidic masters teach that most of the year God can be found in the inner recesses of his kingdom. But during these 40 days, the king is in the field, as they so often say. This indicates that the creator has made this period of time optimal for us. He's made it easier for repentance and renewal. The 40 days of repentance can tend to be very negative for some, but it's not solely about remorse and regret. The Baal Shem Tov once visited a community where the people were reciting the prayers of penitence around this time in a state of joy. And he asked them, puzzled, please tell me why you're full of joy. Don't most people recite these prayers with sadness and weeping? To this they replied, when a person is cleaning his home in preparation for the imminent visit of a king, how could we not rejoice? Instead, we shouldn't take this time to beat ourselves up. We should view this as a period, uh, as a call to personal transformation and spiritual growth. Naturally, this includes a self-examination process combined with sincere acts of repentance. These enable us to cultivate humility, gratitude, and a deeper connection with the Creator. We should seek to reach out to those we have offended or upset in the past year and do the best we can to make amends. Try to clean the slate before we go into this new year. The steps of repentance are actually quite simple. They look like this. Number one, abandon the sin, break the bad habit. Number two, genuinely feel regret for the fact that you caused another harm or that you sinned. Three, confess and make amends. Make amends, like we said, go back, ask for forgiveness from those we hurt. If possible, if there's a financial cost, to our damages, do the best you can to repay that. And lastly, accept that your forgiveness has been granted. If you genuinely went through these steps, accept it and move on. 
Don't drag it along and don't hold yourself more accountable than the creator. With diligence, the commitment to change, and the willingness to embrace vulnerability, we will pave the way for a more meaningful and intentional life on the other side of this month of mercy. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information like this, again, visit our website, thehiddenorchard.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter and look out for other articles posted there throughout the weeks. Reach out to us and let us know what you think of the show. Until next time, have a great week.